Today, we find ourselves on the third week of our mountain series, right? Our mountains series. And um, mountains are, are a fun thing, are they not? Especially now, if you look outside, you can tell uh, with, with our town how everything is changing just because of leaves, right? It's so neat to see how the landscape and, and you know, when you, I go to certain places in town that I love, which is funny, behind Walmart because of the view, you know what I'm saying there? You go behind Walmart, it's a beautiful view of downtown. Um, but things are changing uh, with mountains, and that's what happens all the time. They're, they're ever-changing. But we're in week three of mountains, and I'm excited about today. Uh, this was one of these things uh, that was hard to deliver, one of these sermons that are hard to deliver. Moms are like, you know nothing about delivery, so shut your mouth right now, okay? Just bear with me. I'm trying, all right? I'm not there, but I'm trying. But week three of mountains, and we're excited for it today. But let me ask you this. How many of you guys, all right, um, how many how many guys that, that when you sleep at night, you're still someone that dreams all the time? Anybody that are, with a simple pole with a raise of your hand, do you dream a lot, right? Of course, we all do. We know that. But how many of you guys actually remember your dreams a lot, Okay. Um, some, somewhat, it depends on the season, depends on how much sleep you're getting, it depends on if you have three kids that are nine, seven, and three, okay? Can I get an amen up front? All right, um, it depends on where you're at. Some people are like, try more than that, okay? Um, it depends on where you're at, how much sleep you get, and all that kind of stuff when it comes to dreams. But um, dreams are awesome. Dreams are fun, you know, because in, in a dream, you're living like this vicarious life sometimes. You're like a superhero, Right? Have you ever had those kinds of dreams? Or, or you can like fly? You ever had that kind of dream where you can fly? How cool. Remember when you were a kid? Wasn't that like the greatest possibility in your mind ever to be able to fly? What, do you remember that? Or to be really, really tiny? Right? To be really, really small and to get into small places and then you watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and you never wanted that again. Right? Um, or, or in dreams, you dream of, of uh, amazing, you know, picturesque views of places by the water or whatever. Dreams, right? One of those things. But let's be honest when it comes to dreams. Sometimes a dream can go the opposite way, right? Remember that? Remember when you were a kid? And you, maybe you watched a movie or something, or, or somebody told you a story, and at night you saw the boogeyman or whatever in your dreams, or, or you were scared. Or, did anybody have those kinds of dreams? You're like, nope, always, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. I used to have this reoccurring dream. Some would call it a nightmare, okay? Uh, but that I was being chased by a vampire. Anybody had those kinds? Anybody? Just me. It's, a lot of things are just me. Okay, thank you, Damani. I'm not on my own here. All by my, okay, so I'm not by myself for once. But I used to have this dream that I was being uh, chased by Dracula, but Dracula looked just like Count Chocula, right? I don't know why that was scary, but it was one of those dreams when I'm like running, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're running. What happens in a dream when you're running? You fall, okay? And then you can't get up kind of thing. It's like one of those safety alert commercials. Help, I've fallen. No, I'm running, I'm running, I'm falling. I can't run and fall and can't get up. There's nothing worse than a dream where you're absolutely powerless. You ever had those kind where you're in a situation, you're falling and you can't wake up or, you know, like from the sky kind of thing or, or you're, you're, you're trying, you're being held down by something or someone and you're like, can't move, don't have enough. Power can't make complete sentences either, okay? But there's nothing worse than a dream when you're absolutely powerless, right? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Come on. Are you with me? Okay, I got about four. Good, this is going to be a good day. I'm glad we had a good time of worship. 
and God moved on the front end because the back end, well, just kidding, it's not going to be bad. No worse feeling than that. But today, we're trekking a different type of mountain. One that will probably be the hardest 6%. Remember that statistic that life is comprised the world of about 6% of mountains. Um, mountains of our lives. Why? Because as much um, as the, the mental mountain that it is, okay, it is also a physical one as well at times. It involves understanding. It involves forethought. It involves faith. As we talked about even earlier, it involves Jesus. It this mountain involves you. So you may be thinking, what about that whole dream thing? How did that connect? How does that work out? What was that all about? What does that have to do with absolutely anything? Well, as you may recall, some of those dreams uh, that you had growing up and even that I shared about, some of the worst ones are when I felt powerless, when I felt like I had no control. When I had nothing that I could do to get out of the situation, I was powerless versus powerful. You know what I'm saying? A scary place to be. And this statement is true and it rings true with us because we all understand this in life. Not necessarily in a, a, a dream, but in life as we trek these mountains, right? As we trek this mountain particularly, it's very difficult sometimes to feel as though you have power. That you have power over situation. That you have power over circumstance. That you have power over the provision that you need. That you have power over whatever. Fill in the blank. Sometimes it's really hard when you're trekking mountains to feel like you have power. Right? That you feel like you have any control over the situation. Today, we're talking about this mount. This mount of authority. The Mount of Authority. If you were to define authority in and of itself, Webster says, the power or right to give orders, make decisions, or enforce obedience. The parents say, amen, I got the authority. Or if you were back in the early 90s, you got the power from Snap. Do you, anybody remember that? Kelly, I know you do. Okay, that was a great song back in the day of We Got the Power. Authority is the power that we have within us at times that remains untapped and unutilized in our everyday lives. I feel that we don't truly understand that when, when we have this authority, when we understand where this authority comes from, we understand how it will play out in our lives. When we do get that, we see what God has in store for us. So this morning, we will make the trek together up what biblical scholars uh, think to be Mount Hermon, uh, simply known in Matthew 17 one as a high mountain and what we call today the Mount of Authority. The Mount of Authority. Lord, I just thank you for this time that we have. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that um, in you everything is possible. That in you we have power. And through the name of Jesus we have authority. I thank you, God, for what your word is going to expose to us, what we're going to learn and how we're going to grow. And I'm excited, God, that we have an opportunity to grow in you and the authority that you've given us today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me set the scene for you a little bit before we get into the scripture um, so you understand this type of journey that we're taking together. If you ever go on a hike, if you ever do anything like that, you want somebody to tell you what kind of terrain you're going to face. You want them to tell you the duration of how long you're going to be there. 
I was talking to a, 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 one of our folks' family members yesterday. He was talking about a four-wheeler ride that he went on, and it was a very long four-wheeler ride that he did not expect to happen to be that long. It's one of those things that you wish that someone would tell you that beforehand, right? Hey, you may need some extra gas, by the way, BTW, okay? You may need a little bit of nourishment. Anybody ever fallen into this kind of thing where you start out on a journey? <laughs> All the men raise their hands mainly, and the women are like, amen, amen, talent pastor, okay? Um, normally it's just us. And again, I was talking to a fellow, not a lady, because ladies always get it right. But it's one of these things, when it comes to trekking a mountain, Guys are picking up stones up here to stone me. When, when it comes to trekking mountains, you need to know what you need to take with you and what you need for the journey. So let me give you a little bit of background um, in, in Scripture and also in this journey. Uh, things are really beginning to move along with Jesus and His disciples as they go about doing the Father's business. This is, this is the, the gospel. This is the good news. This is the story of Christ and what he did. So things are beginning to escalate. Things are beginning to move, uh, leading up to the, the death of Christ and his resurrection and all that. But you see just things beginning to really, really, really ramp up for these guys. And Jesus is engaged in some major teaching with his disciples and followers. Um, they're in the region of the Sea of Galilee, and you see that in Scripture before, uh, and Matthew, uh, where they're in the, about midway through, that they're at the Sea of Galilee, uh, just north of Jerusalem. And Jesus is teaching parables. He's, he's feeding thousands of people uh, by multiplying loaves of bread and fish. And uh, he's walking on water, just everyday stuff that you see all the time. Did you see that guy the other day walking down the river? That was so cool. No, you don't see that every day. Okay, he was healing folks along the way, all the while getting some pretty major opposition from the religious leaders of that time. He was doing these things not only to prove who he was slash is, okay? Not only to prove who he was or is, but also to the disciples that were following him, that he could show them who he is so that they can then emulate the same, okay? We see them growing in their faith. So we look in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, that Jesus is seeking to clearly define who he is, not to himself, he knows who he is. Think about it. Jesus knows who he is. He knew who he was and why he was there. But to his disciples, right? His disciples. Jesus asked his disciples, leading up, he said, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Notice he's beginning to strongly show folks who he really is. Who do people say I am? Guys, t tell me. What, what's the word on the street? What do people say about me? Right? You ever do that? Sometimes that's pretty scary. Have you ever done that before? Ask a friend, what did they say? And you're just like, I wish I would have never asked, okay? Then he asked, what about you? Who do you say I am? See, Jesus is beginning to make a point with these disciples saying, look, I get what other people say. I get what other people see. But who do you see? What do you see in me? And there's a reason for this that we'll understand more very soon. Simon Peter raises his hand in class and gives the correct answer, right? you got to love Peter and, and the Bible. He is the funniest dude, the craziest guy. I mean, he probably should have had some medication for the ADD because he was all over the place. Did you ever notice that? Did you? Did you? You don't read the word like that? When I read the Bible, I look at these characters, and I'm thinking about these guys wondering how in the world did they make it sometimes, right? Because they are all over the place. They're in all types of situations, all kinds of things. And here's his answer. He says, you are the Christ or Messiah, in other words, the Son of the living God. 
And this was an aha moment for Jesus and his disciples. He's like, Peter, you get it. And the thing is, you didn't answer from inside of yourself. You answered from heaven. You had a godly answer to that question because you're beginning to understand who I really am. I'm Christ, the Messiah, the coming King. You get it? At that moment in time, he went from Peter, who was a guy that was, his name was Reed, blown by the wind, to rock. Jesus changed his name in that moment. He changed him in that moment and said, look, you're, you were this, but now you're going to be that. You're going to be rock upon which I want to build my church. I want you to be a forerunner in the church, understanding that God wants to build the church through people. Is that not cool? Is that not amazing? So we arrive at chapter 17 as we see the dialogue take place between Jesus and his closest three disciples that forever change the lives and will do the same, change their lives and will do the same for you today on this high mountain, this mount of authority. You'll see the passage on the screen. Uh, you can read along with me in your mind. Um, after six days, Jesus took him, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, taking, excuse me, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This is a typical Peter move as well. He's like, okay, I don't know what to do right now, so do you want me to build a house? It's like, Peter, are you bong, bong, like Sputnik, okay? It's like, what are you doing, brother? All right, I'll build a house, whatever you want me to do. I don't, I don't want this moment to ever go away at the same time. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Is this, is this one of those mind-blowing scriptures to you? There's a lot of stuff going on here, right? You're catching like Old Testament prophets and, and people hanging out with Jesus and he's, his face is changing, his, his body, his countenance, everything. That's what transfigured means. It's like a change, like a metamorphosis even. Like, you, you, Jesus, is that? Oh, no, there's Moses. Oh, geez, if he's coming around, I'm probably going to die here, okay? If I'm seeing this type of, you know, spiritual, spiritual things happening, this is where I'm going to die. Okay, I'll die. And then Peter says, I'll just build a house and die in the house, right? You see what I'm saying? It's one of these things where there's a lot of stuff going on, but there's something very special that happens in this moment with these disciples. They truly see who Jesus is. Right? They truly see this was a pivotal moment. Why? 
Because a lot of times when we, when we look into the life of Jesus and his disciples, you see these guys running around doing life together. You see these guys, you know, down here feeding people like we saw. You see these guys over here healing folks like we hear of. You see these guys traveling here and there and doing this and doing that, right? And, and they're like, man, this is fun. This is the greatest missions trip ever, right? Anybody ever been on a missions trip? You're like, well, you didn't go where I went. I can tell you what, because it wasn't fun, okay? But this is like the best experience ever, did you see that guy's arm pop back? Like it, there was no arm. It's like Jesus is fun to be with. But this moment was different for them. This moment was different because they saw him as the son of God. Wrap that around your mind a little bit. Is this kind of deep for you? It was for me. I, I kind of couldn't get through it quick. I'm struggling with these terms, transfiguration. You say it in a British accent, it sounds even more amazing. But I'm struggling with this understanding that that Jesus was changed before these guys' eyes. And why? What's the reason? Why is it significant? They needed Jesus to change in their eyes. So Jesus had to change before their eyes. Think about that. You're like, yeah, you just confused me. No, think about it. They needed Jesus to change in their eyes. So he changed before their eyes. Why? Why did this happen? Let me tell you why. Peter needed this because he would become the guy that would start the church as we know it. And even ushering in the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, James needed this moment in his life so that his faith would be firm as he would become what scholars think the first martyr for the cause of Christ. John needed this encounter so that he too would remain strong in his faith that he would continue to be known as the beloved who fought through so many trials, right? And hurdled so many obstacles to help build the faith as we know it and understand that the hope we have is in and through Christ Jesus as his followers. They needed this. They needed to see Moses, the one who represented the law, right? Imagine these guys, all they knew was Jewish culture, right? All they knew was an understanding of, okay, so... There's God, and uh, yeah, I know there's like a promised Messiah kind of thing, and um, this this guy's really cool, Jesus, but I don't know. I mean, I'm really stuck on the law here. This is something, you know, like what Moses did was paramount. I mean, did you did you follow that story at all? Because they had these things passed down from generation to generation. They're like, Elijah, oh, okay, yeah, he's the one that called down fire from heaven. He's pretty close to Jesus. You know, he's pretty close to God. I don't necessarily, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, they needed to witness these things. Jesus had to be changed in their eyes. You understand what I'm saying here? So that then they could change the world through this knowledge. They needed this moment. Jesus knew that it wasn't for all 12, but it was for the three because of what they were going to do with their lives and to the extent that they would go to to be the believers that he was calling them to be. This moment of change was so significant because in this moment of understanding, we too gain the essential authority needed to be more than conquerors in this life and overcome the enemy that has set up strongholds against us and in our lives. So remember that whole dream thing I talked about earlier? Remember the worst kind of dreams, the, the ones where you felt powerless? Well, this is the moment that forever solidified the power situation in these guys' lives. And the same will happen with you today. 
It'll change your call. It'll change your job. It'll change your outlook. It'll change everything when you really see Jesus the way that he's supposed to be seen in your life. Because he is the most powerful. He is everything. He's the beginning. He's the end. And in him is everything. And without him, we're nothing. It's essential. So there's a few things um, that I feel like God has just deposited uh, in my spirit regarding this, this portion of Scripture, but also the lives of the disciples that I want to share with you. Um, I want to, to challenge you with it um, to understand that you have authority, right? That you have authority over powers and principalities, that you have authority over darkness, that you have authority in the name of Jesus to do amazing things, okay? So there's a few things that, that really pressed on my heart as I was studying this and as I couldn't get away from it in a lot of ways because, again, I know, ladies, I don't understand, but it was like birthing something so heavy, so big, so tremendous that it was hard because I needed to see Jesus for who he really is still to this day. All right? So let me share these things with you this morning. Authority is realized in our lives when we understand the source. When we understand the source. That's when we, when we really, really, really understand what authority is, is when we understand where it comes from. These guys understood at this moment that this guy has everything in him. He has everything. And without him, I have nothing. This is the source of all authority. At the moment of transfiguration on that mountain, the perception of who Jesus was forever changed in their eyes. Their understanding of why he came and his purpose was completely understood at that very moment. They didn't see Jesus, again, the guy that they did ministry in life with. They saw Jesus, the Son of God and the Messiah. So I don't know if you've ever noticed in Scripture or not, but Jesus would uh, say some key things sometimes when he was talking about Scripture. He would say it's written. He would say, you know, what the Father says kind of things. And Jesus always pointed his authority coming from God. The disciples need to see that the authority they had in Christ, but they need to see that Christ got his authority from God. It's so important for us. We also see this. Jesus saying in John 14, uh, excuse me, 12, 49, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say what to say and how to say it. And also in John 14, 10, do you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. The Father living in me who is doing this work. Jesus was quick to say, I get everything from him. And if I'm not in him, I have nothing. So he's showing these guys by example that through me, you have everything because I have him. See, this is what's so exciting about your life. As you share your story about what God's done in your life, what you're able to do is, like I share many, many times, that I was blind, but now I see. You had something in your life that separated you from God. He took that away so that you could be close to Him. And now you have an opportunity to share what He's done in your life with someone else. That's the beauty of being a believer, that you have an opportunity to share what God's done in your life so that someone else will know your source as well. So important. Jesus is telling us here, I know where I've come from and who has sent me. God is my source. But it doesn't stop there. Luke 5, 24. Jesus talks about this, and we alluded to it earlier, when it comes to forgiveness of sin. 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. It wasn't just about the physical thing, but it was about the spiritual thing. Only he has the authority to forgive sins. How does he get it? Through the Father. You can lead someone to him who is able to take away everything that pertains to sin and death so that you may have life and life more abundantly. Authority. Here comes a difficult part to authority is this. Authority is realized in our lives when we begin to believe. This is a faith factor. How many of you guys, this is hard. This is a hard thing to do to struggle, struggle with believing. See, what's, what's so difficult when it comes to understanding that we have authority, that we believe that we can have faith, that things can actually change is because we've seen so many things in our story that have not lined up for so long. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Well, why is this sickness happening in my life? You know, why, why did this divorce happen? Why did I lose my job? Why, why did I fail in this, this class? Why, you see what I'm saying by this? Why, why does my kid struggle in school? Why do my cars keep breaking down? You know, we have a list that's longer that, that really pushes us towards disbelief versus to belief. And at this very moment, the disciples needed to see to believe. Think about that. They witnessed him change before their very eyes. What did that do? Change their ability to believe. Change their ability to see things differently. Right? I get it. It's hard sometimes to see outside of yourself. I don't understand everything you've gone through. I won't even act like I do. You know how people do that? Oh, I totally understand. Yeah, oh, I'm so sorry. That must have been terrible. Wow. And you're just like, are you even listening? Did you just put like autopilot on? Have you ever had people like that though? You're like, yeah, lost my mom today. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did you hear about the sale I got at tables? It's like, what world are you in? It's so hard to believe when you're surrounded by things. That are, that are morphing, that are transfiguring into things that are not of God. That all you see is death and destruction. I do understand that. But I do understand this, that when I have seen Jesus for who he really is, he has changed every aspect of my life. I'm telling you, I, that's, that's my story. When, when we said yes to what he wanted to do in our lives, that changed everything in our lives because we saw him as the provider. We saw him as Abba Father, the one who's going to take care of us, that's going to be there, that Daddy, that I've got everything lined up. You're going to be fine. I'm going to be with you, so you'll be totally fine. I just didn't believe before. For the disciples, this changed everything. And for you, as you encounter him face to face, daily, it'll change everything. Each day, each day it's important. Uh, one of these things I'm trying to do over the next uh, couple months is drop some LBs. Those are pounds if you're not making abbreviations, if you're not familiar. You're like, oh, LOL, that's great. Um, no. But I want to lose X amount, all right? And Kelly, she's helped me on this, my sister-in-law. I'm like, Kelly, you think I can do it? She's like, I think you can. I think you can. Um, she has a train and stuff. I'm like, that's cool. Um, she said, keep this and remember, Thomas did it and you can too. No. 
But I want I want to drop some pounds before the beach because you know what happened on Memorial Day? Went to the pool, and what I had to do? Get up in a bathing suit because you know you take a shower in it. To get in a bathing suit, that's not what they call them anymore. Some board shorts, okay. And there was um, I didn't know it was a muffin sale. Like there was just a lot of muffin top going on, you know. And I didn't feel real good about myself. I, I mean, you know, it's bad enough that when I take off my shirt, it looks like I'm wearing a t-shirt still. I'm so white, look like you know, basically vitamin D. All right. And then on top of that, okay. So we're going to the beach soon. I'm excited for the beach. Anybody love the beach? Okay. All right. Looking forward to it. But I want to drop some LBs before we get there. All right. Um, and Carl's like, why don't you just come hang out with me at the gym? I'll run you around a little bit, Fatty McFadden. But I want to, I want to lose some weight before we get there. And I'm thinking about it, this process, how to do it and all this stuff and how can I lose it as quickly as possible. And then you had to draw back. What do I need to do today? What kind of decision do I need to make right now? Right now, should I drink some water? It's high quality H2O. Or should I have some Coca-Cola Classic, which is of the Lord himself? Every single thing makes a difference, right? I got some, is it revival in here? Somebody loves some Coke, okay? Coca-Cola. All right, make sure I emphasize that. Um, if I don't do what's right, if I don't believe that I can for this very moment, if I don't get face-to-face with the reality of, of life, and you see what I'm saying? I'll lose it. I'll never make it. I'll never make my goal. I'll never, in a spiritual sense, see heaven. I'll never believe. Every single day is an opportunity. Every single day is a chance to believe after you've encountered him, after you've seen him face to face. I need to hurry up. Everybody said, amen, I'm hungry up in here. Third thing, authority is realized in our lives when we ask for it. When we ask for it. Matthew 21, 18 through 22. Early in the morning, as he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. You're like, here you go talking about food again. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. It's so important to ask. It's so important for us, right? To just ask. If your kid comes up to you, right? They're just standing in front of you, looking at you. You're like, what do you want? Are you hungry? Did you wet yourself? What's wrong? What do you need? Don't you just want them to ask you? What do we always say as parents? Use your words. Because you'd be like, What is that? You're waiting for an interpretation, okay? It's like, what in the world is going on here? What is... Ask 
me what you need because daddy wants to give it. Are you hungry? Here you go. Here's a pork chop. Have fun. That'll last at least 10 minutes to leave you alone, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, okay? Or, or what are, you, are you thirsty? Let me help. I'm not telling you to go up to God and be like, Dear God, hi, it's me, Jim Stevens. I'm really excited about what I'm doing. Will you pre- please provide for me the Learjet? You know what I'm saying by that? It's not those kinds of things. You know, it's like, what do you need? This has been such a major thing for us, especially for me, uh, you know, as the leader of, of our, the Foundry Church. This is a big faith thing. I don't know if you guys realize that. This is a big deal. If you've ever started a company, okay, and this is not a company, this is a church, but if you've ever started something, it takes a lot for it to get going, okay, especially finances. It takes a lot of things, a lot of people. It takes a lot of things, you know, building even sometimes. It takes a lot of things for it to happen, right? You understand what I'm talking about, okay? And one of these things that's been such a struggle is just, you know, really believing and asking sometimes, for God to provide in these ways. And he's deposited in my heart this understanding that I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. What do you need? God, we need someone that can help with assimilation, which means getting people connected. God's like, okay, to your very first connect group, I'll send Anthony. God, um, man, you know what I need. I need someone that can help with this. Uh, let's see, kids ministry. He's like, oh, okay. What I'll do in three months' time is I'll send Lori. What I'll do is take her from a, a this great full-time paying job as a children's pastor, and then I'll put this in her heart to love the foundry in Morgantown so much that she'll come here for free. Okay? Or he'd be like, God, I need, I need like a right hand. I need someone that can help. He's like, okay, what I'll do is I have in mind these people. Their name is Rob and Christy, okay? Uh, they're youth pastors up in Newstand. They're doing great. Things are blowing up. Youth ministry is wonderful. But what I'll do is I'll tell them the same thing. I'll tell them to leave a full-time job, okay, where things are really... I'll, I'll tell Christy to leave the wonderful home that she has. A woman needs a nice home. Can I say amen, okay? And I'll, t- I'll make all of that happen because that's what you need. That's what the foundry needs. All he's waiting for you to do is just ask. This isn't a prosperity message. This is a talking to daddy moment. You see what I'm saying by that? He said in my heart, make sure, look, if whatever you need, I will supply it according to my riches and glory. I have everything for you. You just have to ask. Finally, authority is realized in our lives. It's realized when we live it out loud. When we live it out loud. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? We have this amazing thing happen in our prayer closet. Maybe you guys have a prayer closet? You know, it can be figurative or it can be literal. You're like, yeah, I close the door and I get really, really scared because it's dark quick. No, you may have some things, right, that, that God's deposited in this quiet time. You know, uh, there's things that he's, he's put in your heart and your mind to do. And a lot of times these things happen in these places, and it's so hard for us to live it outside of those moments. It's so hard to live out loud with what he has for our lives. But I like in the book of John, chapter 14, again, this is from the disciples' lives. This is from, you know, they're, they're really the, the gospels, the, the, as they shared the good news, the things that they went through. You see this. John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these 
because I am going to the Father. And then you hear this reminder again. Now we'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring the glory to the Father and that you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Again, that reminder and understanding that God wants to do greater things. He's given you authority to do greater things. Studying uh, the Holy Spirit here not too long ago, I began to think about this portion of Scripture when it came to greater things. What, it, what does this look like for us in our lives? So does that mean like you pray for somebody to be healed and they had one arm before, but they have 16 pop out? Is that greater? By No. You know, you pray for someone that, you know, that God will rain down provision and they need a hundred bucks and all of a sudden it's like raining hundreds. No, not that. Not those types of greater things. Something dawned on me when he talked about us doing greater things. That through the Holy Spirit, in sheer number of people, greater things will happen. But it takes an individual with the authority to step up and do it. Let me run it by you again, just in case you didn't get that. Because he said, I'm leaving, right? I'm going to be gone soon, and I'm going to help you do greater things. How and what, who comes to help us? The Holy Spirit. What do greater things look like? More people doing the same things, but numerically, because there's more people, it's greater things. Think about that. Does that settle in a little bit? He's given you authority to do what he's been doing. But he's also given your neighbor who doesn't know him yet authority to do things that he did. He's given your person that you hang out with at the grocery store every time you go through the same line authority, right, to do amazing things. But they don't know yet because you haven't told them. Authority. Authority. Power to do amazing things, to do greater things. See, we believe as believers that God can if you pray for someone you lay hands on someone that's sick that you, you just it's simple it's this is watch out that's my hurt okay God I just pray right now that you would just bring healing that was not very complex did I freak you out at all you're like yeah get above me punch me in the face or you get not everybody would get that reference Believe that God will do greater things through you when you accept the authority that Jesus gives. Greater things. You prayed for people that relationships will be, that they'll be healed. They're healed. That God will provide in ways that they need, and it happens. When you see Jesus, the transfigured, Jesus, the Son of God, not just Jesus, the cool guy going around healing a bunch of people and feeding people, you understand that anything is possible. Anything is possible. And that you have all authority. All authority. I want to pray with you guys, and then um, we're going to do a quick meeting afterwards, like we said before. But I just, I want you to, in this moment, to understand who you are in Him, because who He is in God. Okay? In this moment, that you understand that you have authority over powers and principalities. Like we live in this world and we can be blind that everything is just perfect. But when you look around you, there's darkness, man. Suicide, depression, drug abuse. I mean, look around you. It's everywhere. 
hatred. I mean, just name it. Right? Homelessness. There's, there's a lot around us. You'd be blind not to see it physically, but we're blind spiritually not to believe that it can change. When we see Jesus face to face, it'll change everything because we receive authority. So God, in this moment, as we pray before you, as we bow our heads and we close our eyes, God, we again survey our lives. We look within our hearts. We look within our thoughts. Lord, we look within every aspect of who we are and we ask, God, is there anywhere that I lack authority? Is there anywhere that I lack power? Am I living in that dream state where I'm completely powerless versus living in that spiritual state with you that's actually, actually reality that I'm powerful, that I'm full of power? Is there anything in me, God, where I have struggled to climb the mountain? Is there anywhere in me where I have lacked the authority that has been given to me as your kid? If there is, God, I look at it square in the face and I say that I have authority over it because of Jesus, because of what he did for me. So, God, we conclude this time with this challenge to face our fear, to face our hurt, to face our pain, to face our pride, to face our hatred, to face our unforgiveness, to face the things that have authority over us that have wrecked our lives, for some of us, Lord, decades. And we speak through the power of Jesus and authority over whatever it is and believe that you are going to show up on our behalf. So God, we take a moment right now and we do that. We do that. Help us, Jesus, right now as we pray to you, as we talk to you about where we may lack authority and then we claim it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus. 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 Jesus.